All right, welcome to the Crown Council's Mentor of the Month podcast. I'm Stuart Anderson, and this is just a short introduction to this episode and the next series of episodes or interviews that Steve and I do with some of the past Crown Council's People Choice Award winners. So each year, the Crown Council gathers at our annual event, but before we gather, we create a place where dental teams and dentists can nominate, uh, vote, and be recognized at our awards program. Uh, the, the annual event is a place where the membership can come together to recognize the best. And these next few episodes, we're going to dig into some of the stories of those award winners. So at the 2022 annual event, we had some award winners that we recognized, brought up on stage, told their stories. Well, we're going to dig in a little uh, to their stories and, and why they were nominated and then why the membership voted to recognize them on stage. So you're going to learn their history and a few of the things about best doctor to work for, young dentist of the year, most innovative practice, team of the year, and the list goes on. So hopefully you enjoy the next little series of episodes as we learn from the best in the business. And that's what we're strong believers in, the philosophy of copying genius. The Mentor of the Month podcast is a perfect place to do that. So just sit back, uh, learn, and listen from some of the best in the industry as they teach you what they've been doing. So enjoy this first episode with Dr. Karen Williamson. You'll learn from her and why she was voted best doctor to work for. Enjoy. All right, welcome to the Mentor of the Month podcast. This is our opportunity to help you copy genius of some of the best leaders in dentistry. And today, if you're watching the video, you can see Dr. Karen Williamson with us. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. And I've got uh, co-founder Steve Anderson with me. Welcome, Steve. Hello, 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 Karen. How are you? Great. Thanks for being with us. Good. So Thanks these next, uh, Karen's going to, Dr. Williamson's is going to kick off our next 12 episodes. We've got um, a series of, uh, of episodes that we are going to revolve around the idea of copying the genius of our 12 award winners from the 27th annual event. Um, so many great ideas and examples and leaders to follow from those awards. So we thought we'd interview them, get their story, and talk about the things that they're doing in their practice that help them be recognized at the Crown Council's Members' Choice Awards. Uh, maybe, Steve, do you want to give a little background of what, of what the Members' Choice Awards are before we dive into this? So in the spirit of <clears throat> creating a culture of success, uh, one of the pillars of that in the practice and in the industry is recognition. And whether that's within the practice, we know that that's one of the things that team members appreciate. It's one of the things we all appreciate. We want to know that we matter. And <clears throat> so each year, uh, culminated by the, the Crown Council Annual event, we recognize practitioners, team members, and practices that exhibit qualities that the membership, everybody feels are worthy of being emulated in the spirit of copying genius. And so uh, we give the Crown Council members the opportunity to vote and to choose uh, the practitioners, the practices, the teams that they feel are worthy of being copied. So Karen, you are one of those. You are one of them. I was so surprised. And I <laughs> so, just noticed there's a tree coming out of my head. There so. is a tree coming out of your head. It's beautiful. Now it so, came out of my ear. <laughs> um, we thought 
because of that, uh, that it merits a deep dive. Uh, because we, you know, at the annual event, we, we give a short, uh, you know, when we do the awards, we give a short overview. And the real benefit of this is uh, for everybody to really get familiar with what you do, how you do it, and the things that uh, I think from your perspective have worked that, you know, if you were going back saying, you know, this is, this is something I would do again. If I were going to do it again, I would do it this way or I'd do it differently. But uh, the things that might elevate the entire group. So we appreciate your sharing your wisdom and your genius today. And Karen was voted best doctor to work for. The nomination came from her team. So her team put in the nomination. And then when we put that nomination down to the Crown Council membership, everyone voted. And so it's a, a, a peer chosen award, which was is always really fun to see and uh, fun to be a part of. You were surprised when you were coming up to that. I was totally uh, surprised. That, that was a fun thing to see. That was, uh, it was that was fun. A fun, fun evening. Fun. I, I really enjoyed watching my team see that too. That was interesting. And um, I'm ever so grateful. I that was just a really fun evening and I, I'm very appreciative. Well, good. We've got a few uh I've got a few paragraphs from your nomination. I'll read later in the uh in our interview here, but I wanted to just introduce you where you're from. Um, Rockwell, Texas. I'm not a Texan. Maybe Rockwell, you guys can. Stuart, oh, Rockwell, Rockwell. Texas. Sorry. There's a difference. <laughs> uh, maybe where is Rockwell, Texas? You two. We get a little confused with Round Rock. Yeah. And I think there is a Rockwell, but we are Rockwall, which is northeast of Dallas by about 30 miles. So we're okay. out near Lake Ray Hubbard. And um it was a very, very small, small community when I came out here, growing by leaps and bounds. We are not like a Frisco, Plano, but more like a McKinney. Yeah, fast growing, fast growing. You could call it a suburb of Dallas. It's a little, but it, a very, very fast growing suburban community of Dallas and a great place to live, I might add. Great place Pick to a live. Good spot. Yeah. Great place to raise children. I, I wish I had um, could say that I really planned that, but I had visited three different dental offices to purchase, and this was the third one to visit. And I drove over the lake, and I went, "Hmm, I think I kind of like it out here." That was the only research I did. <laughs> <laughs> and and at that time, it was it was not a suburb of Dallas. It would have been a, a far away little bitty community that was mm -hmm. not even, I mean, yes, it's kind of close to Dallas, but not nothing right. like it is today. So. Right. And it ended up, I think about five years after I was out here, it ended up being one of the fastest growing counties in the nation. Yeah. Who would have thought. Uh, you'd be okay. surprised how, how many of our interviews from the past series said that just picking the location was how they picked where they <laughs> decided to be dentists. They just said, I loved Alaska. I love Oregon. Like that's just uh, kind of how it works. So beautiful thing cool. about dentistry. Yep. Yeah. Anywhere, everywhere. In <laughs> you can, you can so, do it anywhere. Um, Karen, I've got some personal insight into how you operate and what you've done by virtue of just 
our long association together and <clears throat> your work with uh, Tops and your your Tops coach Tanya and uh, all the interaction that we have have had. Karen and I are motorcycle buddies, so nice. uh, we've been on a few motorcycle trips together to raise money for Smiles for Life. That's our excuse. That's what we tell everybody. <laughs> and, and we should uh, probably clarify that I am not the driver of the motorcycle. My husband Bruce <laughs> is, and I'm hanging on for dear life. Nice. <laughs> and a good driver he is. So. Yes. Maybe we could start uh, on the clinical side because that's the foundation of a great practice. Uh, you are not what I would characterize as a general dentist, although you are a general dentist, uh, but what you do is not general at all. So maybe you could start off by sharing your philosophy of care, your mission, just kind of whole, your whole vision for the clinical side of the dentistry that you provide. So it, it really is more whole health. It's looking at the patient um, in, in it, the entirety, not just teeth, but yet the teeth fit into that beautifully because when they are healthy and when they're in the right spots and the jaws are in the right places, then we have overall health. And this has been a journey I still and would love for people listening to this to understand that I'm a bread and butter dentist as well. I do a lot of crowns and a lot of fillings. Um, and, and that is a good majority of my practice, but we're doing that within the context of getting someone healthy. So there's a lot more going on behind the scenes and um, looking at their airways and just making sure that their whole body is being treated. And I think patients like that. They don't expect to come and not hear you have a cavity and you need to brush. We're more, why do you have the cavity? And why is the brushing not working for you? Uh, maybe they have acid reflux. Maybe um, they have an airway issue. And it's a lot more fun to treat patients like that because that's not what we learned in school. Yeah. Um, and it's, it just makes it, um, it's how you want to be treated. This, I would think I would want to be treated that way. What percentage of your new patients, Karen, come in looking for what you have to offer versus discover it once they get there? I think the majority of them discover it once they get there. We do have patients who call and say, I, I sought you out. I heard from a friend of a friend, you know, and I, I, that you helped them with this, but I still think for the majority of our new patients, it's kind of new. Hmm. And we know that because they leave and say, I've never had an exam this thorough where they went into this or, um, no one ever talked to me about this before. Um, and that's kind of neat. When you hear that, you realize you're getting to something a little bit different than just you have a cavity on your bottom molar. So a little snapshot here. I'm going to be your new patient who called for a cleaning. <laughs> so I'm your everyday patient that came in. When you sit down with me, how do you open up this conversation to preheat me to the fact that what I'm going to experience may be different than what I've experienced in the past? 
Um, that's a great question. So it starts with that phone call. My team that answers the phone is already prepping for that. And then we do things a little differently in our office. My new patients are actually seen um, by the hygienist, not for a cleaning, but for a records visit. And we take about an hour, hour and 10 minutes to get to know them um, and gather the x-rays, the CBCT if we need it, um, perio charting. But even in that appointment, they're trying to get a little bit more to the, the why. Tanya calls it the M&M. Um, That's right. When I see the patient, yes, when I see the patient, I'm learning. I still have a lot to learn, but um, I sit knee to knee. And I usually start off, if we're having this conversation, Mrs. Jones, five years from now or 10 years from now, and we're talking about your overall health or health of your teeth, what do you hope we're saying? What do you hope we're talking about? And boy, do you hear the answers with that. And I probably don't phrase that exactly the way Tanya would, because she is the mastermind with that. But you will hear things like, um, the men are always interesting. Some, some of them that you think aren't going to say anything or don't care will give you a whole spiel, a whole story of, well, I don't want to lose my teeth. And boy, I really don't want to have an emergency. And it runs the gamut from that to, I really want them to be white. I want them to be healthy. I don't want to have abscesses. I mean, you hear it all. And then Tanya has taught us to ask another question and another question and another question. And because I'm technical and I want to get to the technical of everything, I have to really be careful not to go down that path too soon. Just listen. You diagnose the patient before you diagnose the condition. Right. That's, uh, that has taken some time. It's been done. Yeah, some time and some practice to make up that. Tanya, by the way, <clears throat> Tanya Bailey is uh, Karen's tops coach uh, who's in their practice on a regular basis. So that's who Tanya is. <laughs> so, um, so just for context, Karen, walk us through the list of services provided. What do you treat clinically? Hmm. Well, we, I can, t- it's probably easier for me to tell you what I don't do. Okay. I don't do a lot of endo. I don't do ortho. And I don't do a lot of extractions. I restore implants, but I don't place them. Hmm. So I think that's a little unusual because I think there probably are a lot of people that might be surprised at the things that I don't do. And that yeah. we still have, and we still have a very successful dental practice. And you're taking a comprehensive approach. You're looking at not just what needs to be patched. You're looking at the whole health of the patient and everything that can be done based on their goals and what they want to accomplish, including airway, occlusion. You're treating a lot of, uh, a lot of whole health issues. Right. And I think I'm very fortunate that I have very, very good um, specialists in my area. And so um, when you have an airway-centered orthodontist, 
I don't feel the need to tackle that. And I have um, a very, very good periodontist um, for the implant uh, surgeries. So I think that's part of any practice is realizing what you do well, what you don't want to do, and what you want to grow to learn to do. And I, I can give a great example of that. I thought I wanted to place implants. And I, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. <clears throat> so I took a one year, almost 14 month um, maxi course. So I went out to Georgia Regents University once a month in Augusta, Georgia for over a year. Learned a lot. Came back, placed my first implant and went, <laughs> but it made, me a, it made me a better clinician yeah. because I knew what to tell my surgeons and I knew what to tell my patients. So the understanding and the things that I learned <clears throat> much better. Well, and I, um, would I be correct in assuming that once you went through all that <clears throat> education, you started treatment planning a lot more implants than you had previously. Is that fair? Correct. Now you know what to look for. Correct. So I, that's a great help, I think, to anybody. I, I don't think we have to be all and do all. I think you can be very selective in dentistry and it can change. Two years from now, I might be yep. telling you I'm doing all the endo in my office. <laughs> right. and because you go through time periods with your practice and, and that's the beauty of dentistry. It can be and look however you want it to look. If I only wanted to treat children under the age of seven, I bet you I could find a market for that. All right. So I appreciate you taking a bit, just a moment on the clinical side. The reason I wanted to explore that is that one of the common characteristics we found over the years with the best dentist to work for uh, that we award every year is the team is a huge believer in the quality of care that the dentist provides. That's one of the key characteristics. Mm -hmm. And if they don't believe in the quality of care that the dentist provides, then there is a cascade domino effect into so many other areas. So that thanks for sharing with us on the clinical side. We're going to, Stu's going to move on to the leadership side, uh, <laughs> but the clinical side is always the foundation. You got to be a good dentist if you're going to be the best dentist to work for. I agree. So uh, Karen, a few of the, to, to kind of piggyback what you just talked about, your team recognized one of the characteristics that you talked about. So uh, from your nomination, it says she's not afraid to have difficult conversations with patients because she cares. I've seen evidence after patients have undergone therapy when they said she helped me and it changed my life. What a privilege to be part of that experience. And I mean, that paragraph alone from a team member that recognizes it, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they see we saw from you, that's what you believe, you know, you're going to have that knee to knee conversation, like you said, uh, but your team recognizes it and sees it. Maybe talk about that, expound on how you have those difficult conversations and how you learn, wh where does that come from? how do you decide to do dentistry like that? Hmm. I think it just 
comes with time and experience and putting yourself in that patient's position. And often they don't know what's available, but they know kind of what they want, I think, or what they want the end result to be. Therefore, the purpose of the question, how do you want this to look five years or 10 years from now? It gets them thinking about not that I just have a hole in a tooth today, but maybe that does fit into the bigger picture. We use a lot of word pictures. So a great example is decorating your house and you might only be able to afford the decorator for one room, Mm -hmm. but maybe you have the plan for the whole house Mm -hmm. and then you work your way through the plan. So word pictures are really good. And I have team members that are really good at word pictures better than I am. And, and letting your team um, lead that is really good when you when you can come into the operatory and your team member has already set the patient up. There's just a, it's just a, a lot easier conversations than starting from the bottom up. Um, and I think that's very helpful too. I'm not sure that answered your question, but hopefully. <laughs> well, maybe um, I'll, I'll read one more. I'll read one more thing from the from the nomination, and then. That might help. So your team member said, one of the neatest things that Dr. Williamson did for us this last year is planning three separate trips for our team. Um, And we know that that's part of a, you know, building your culture outside of your practice. So Mm -hmm. going on those camping experiences with your team, um, maybe explain how you train your culture, what you do for the environment of your own team members and how your, your own culture runs in your practice. So we're very team oriented and team centered is how I would describe it, which is a little bit opposite of how, when I first started, it was all about the patients and, and I don't want that to be misinterpreted. It is about the patient, but if your team doesn't know that it's about them once the team's operating well, then it's easy for that to translate over to the patient. Hmm. But if your team's not operating together, then the patient will walk in and go, Oh, something's wrong here. Something is amiss, right? They sense it. So we spend a lot of time preparing the team to be a team. And that can be anything from, you know, a weekend CE trip or very simple things that can be done during a morning opportunity meeting, or even just um, your one hour meeting, maybe that you have a week um, with your team, you can do things that bring them together. And it can be silly things like we have gone out and done some kind of dance to some song. Um, everybody's big on the Cowboys here, but Dak Prescott was doing some kind of maneuver on the field and I made my team get out and do the maneuver out on the field next door and we videoed it. And at the time you're being really stupid, but it's fun. It is a bonding experience. So I like to do things and I like to think of new things that are outside the box. And there's all kinds of books and ideas and webinars on things that you can do with your team that help. Um, liven it up a little bit and um, keep them guessing, 
I say keep them guessing what we're going to do next. Um, no year on our books looks the same. So what we did last year with going on three separate trips, we're not necessarily doing this year. Um, and then next year will look even different from that. I, I don't like it to be boring. So we're going to keep it, keep it fresh. Very good. I hope that part about it being team centered is understood. If, if, if it is, the patient part will fall. If your team is, is, is knows that it's about them and you care about them, it will fall over and spill over onto the patients. Nice. So um, Karen, from a leadership standpoint, in addition to what you've mentioned, what else do you do as a leader that makes a difference for your team? Probably practice what I preach. So if I want them reading a book and learning, then I'll walk in and lay 10 books on the table. And I think everybody should be learning and reading a book. So um, I have some examples. Do you want to see my examples? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. This is my latest one. So how interesting that I would read a book about basketball. <laughs> how to watch basketball like a genius. I love it. And this is a military book about this the shortest guy in the military. So what it does for you is it allows you to talk to your patients. You never know when something you have read or watched is going to influence how you can converse with a patient, but you can converse with your team members. So right off the bat, everybody should be learning a new skill, reading something. Um, and I try to try to practice that. Great advice. Very good. What's, um, in addition to that, what kind of recognition do you do for your team? We have a few things kind of in place um, and then some others that pop up through the year. I, I've adopted um, a recognition. Well, we recognize their birthdays. I, I, I know that seems so cliche, but I hear of offices that don't really do that. Um, so birthdays are a big deal at our office and um, we're trying something new this year. So if it's your birthday, the person who had the birthday before you decorates the break room for your birthday, oh, and nice. you decorate it and we go all out. I, my, it was my turn this last month. So I decorated for Roxanne and Roxanne is a huge Bucky's fan. You don't know what Bucky's is unless you live in Texas, but we decorated the whole break room for Bucky's. It's a gas station. It's I'm a Googling. gas station. Googling. I'm Googling <laughs> now. I'm Googling. Um, Bucky, yeah. Yeah. So for those, those that know, Bucky's is, is like the Walmart of gas. It's like huge. It's a big box gas station. It's amazing. It's like going to Disneyland. It is. And they have this big beaver <laughs> guy. And I had a lot of fun going to Becky's and finding some decor for the break room. But I think that's really important. And then we recognize their one year, five year, 10 year, um, and make a big deal out of that. 
And I actually pinned them. We had a pinning ceremony. The really? Yeah. Were you a sorority girl when you were in college? No. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I they get them. they get pinned for that five ten and or the one five and ten years. Is that what you do? <clears throat> right. So I had a company create these little pins with our logo on them. They're nice. very very nice. And then they have like a little stone or something in them here. And it comes in a nice box with a nice plaque and it's just really nice. And then there's some monetary involvement too. Um, but just recognizing them, I think is a, is a, is, is very good. And then recognizing them daily. I heard something good about you yesterday from a patient, or you mentioned earlier, Stuart, the Google reviews. If they get their name mentioned in a Google review, then we have a gift card for them. So um, if we hit a production goal, one of the best things I did was buy um, a spin the wheel. You can get them on Amazon. And so they get to spin the wheel like on Prices Right. And I have gift cards taped to it and they can win a gift card. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Team recognition is really important. Think about, I kind of put myself in their place. When I was an employee, how did I want to be treated? I just wanted someone to recognize that I had given my heart to the practice or given my heart to the um, whatever business we were working at the time. And you just want to, you just want to be recognized. Yeah. Um, uh, do you do regular, uh, I'm not going to call them evaluations, but <clears throat> one-on-ones with your team? And if so, how often? I do. This is a, a tough one. I'm not very good at it. So I'm working with Tanya. And I think it is very important. I'm probably better in a group situation. Um, but the one-on-one thing really gets them to share their heart. And instead of looking at it like a drudgery, I'm trying to look at it as I want, just as if I were interviewing a patient, you know, what things matter to my team member the most, what things are they learning? What things would they like to learn? That's always a good one. When you ask them, what would you like to learn? new and different this year, you get some varied answers. And sometimes it'll surprise you. Like, I didn't know that person was interested in that. Um, I try to tell them that if I should be hit by a bus tomorrow and they had to go out with their resume and get a different job, I want that resume to have a ton more on it that they learned at my office than when they came. Ooh, I love that. So we should compare, we should look at that resume when they came and then go over here and go, okay, not just the CE classes that they've taken, but what have they learned in the office? Did they learn a better way to make whitening splints? Did they learn um, airway? I think I've got two team members right now that have done a myofunctional therapy course. Very cool. I've got Tim members right now that have really learned the pharyngometer. And I've got three team members right now that are learning the iTero really well. 
So you've created a culture of, of learning and an expectation that everybody's going to continue learning and progressing. Have you ever had a team member that said, you know, Dr. Williamson, I'm good. Yeah, it's all good. I'm, I'm all right. Don't want to learn anything. Mm-hmm. They probably aren't <laughs> with me anymore. <laughs> That's part of the culture and you hire for that, I'm sure. <clears throat> yes. Uh, it's very much made very clear when they're interviewing that we are not going to stop learning. We're going to continue learning. It's boring not to learn. Um, I mean, I've been practicing for 30 years. Something's got to keep you going. And so what keeps me going is new. And luckily we're in a profession where we're not going to live enough days to learn everything there is to know in dentistry. Um, I was just at a cone beam class this past weekend in Phoenix. And I thought, well, what else can I learn on the cone beam? (laughs) A lot. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and you can bring that back and they're only going to be as enthusiastic as I am. Right. Well, and that's, that's one of the things I, I, one of the many things I appreciate about you and your, your leadership is uh, you have been in the TOPS Total Immersion course more than once <laughs> with your team. And that, you know, that learning piece on case acceptance and how to treat the patient, I mean, it's part of your DNA, but you don't, you did, I don't think you've ever sent anyone to that course without you being there. <laughs> You're, right. maybe you have, maybe I missed it, but you've been there multiple times leading by example, and you probably know everything I'm going to say because you've heard it before. And no, it's, it's different every time. <laughs> and, and you're present, which I think this whole lead by example, you're present, which sends a huge message to them that it's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I just enjoy, I enjoy watching them grasp something we had two new timber two new team members at the tops um, telemersion thing last time and to see their faces and i didn't know we could say it that way or do it that way that that um brings a renewed energy they they wanted to go back and play music at the morning opportunity meeting and nice. crown council uh, we've got a few dancers now in, in our nice. office, but, yeah, i would definitely tell anyone who's you know, thinking about kind of changing it up in their office. There's a couple of really priceless things that you can't miss regularly getting together and meeting with your team members. Yep. Definitely join Crown Council. Definitely um, tops do that. I love having a coach that really, really changed me and my perspective to have a dental coach. And it it finally dawned on me that everybody has some kind of coach. If you take piano or if you play golf, Mm -hmm. everybody has a coach. So why not get coached in one of the hardest professions there is, which is Mm -hmm. dentistry. Yeah. (laughs) Great insight. And with that, Dr. Williamson, maybe looking back, It's a two-part question, but it really can be answered together. I mean, what would you do different if you were talking to a a young up-and-coming doctor? And what would you do the same? What are the things that you're just like, this is it, my top three. I would do it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. 
So do it again and again and again would definitely be make it a team-centered practice. Um, I, I would definitely hire for success. Try to make sure that the person you're hiring is going to fit within that culture of your practice. I would definitely not have team members stay who don't have that same philosophy. And I would try to not linger with those, those particular employees too long because it really takes down the whole group. <clears throat> and um, it's being more kind to that employee to let them move on to a place where they'll be happier than unhappier. So those are some of the same things. Differently, I would have joined Tops and Crown Council sooner had I known. This is not, this is not paid. This is not a paid promotion. <laughs> no, no. Um, I joined Crown Council after one of those motorcycle trips. So that was interesting. But I, I would definitely get that on board. And I would, when you're first starting out, you think that you don't have time to have meetings. I wish I had had regular team meetings from the get-go. I was smaller too. You have, you know, I just, it was just me and one hygienist, one assistant, and one front desk team member. But even with a small team, you need to meet regularly. And I should have done that because I think I wasted about 10 years not doing that. So I would have regular monthly meetings, weekly meeting, and your morning opportunity meetings. That makes a regularity in the office. Very similar to having dinner with your family. <laughs> regular meetings. What would you say for anybody who says, I don't have time to do that, Karen, because I don't want to give up the production time. What would you say is the return on investment? of your meeting time. I, I was that person that said that. I couldn't <laughs> figure out how to get that in and, you know, pay bills. And, and I get that when you're first starting out, there's so much coming at you. Um, I did the same thing with CE. CE was different back then. Now you can get on any webinar, any night of the week and learn something. You can right. join any study club, you could watch spear videos till kingdom come. I mean, but back when I started, it was the Southwest Dental Conference or you probably didn't go. And this idea of traveling and taking the team somewhere just seems so daunting yeah. um, and expensive. But any way that you need to make it happen, you could have a wine and cheese night at your office and download a webinar video and have your team come and have a camp out CE. There are creative ways to do it where you don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, but the return on investment is going to be huge. You can't afford not to do it because you're going to spend a lot of time backtracking for every meeting that you didn't have. You're going to spend a lot of time backtracking or not having a pulse on what's going on in the office. And you can't teach your culture of success if you're not meeting. So I think it's like you talk about the put the big rocks in and then the little rocks, your big rocks have to be the team meetings. Yeah. 
And if someone had just pounded that into my head 30 years ago, I probably wouldn't be, have been so far behind the eight ball, you know, but that would be my, my biggest suggestion. Go ahead and do it. Perfect. Very good. Love it. That great advice. And that is, you know, that return on investment is one of the things that in the beginning might be intangible, but the more you do it, it becomes very tangible when you see the improvement. All right. Last question. Give us the list of your favorite crown council resources. Mm, We use a lot of them. Let's see. Now I'm on the spot. Now I can't think, but I mean, we use them every day. You use a lot. You're on the email network. Uh, Almost every day. I see you there all the time asking questions Mm and, and, uh, one of the things I love about your interaction is you ask questions and you share some amazing experiences that are helpful for everybody. Um, been to the annual event a bunch. Yes. Uh, skill of the week. I know you guys skill use that a lot. We do the skill of the week. Yeah. They've raised uh, $52,000 in six years for Smiles for Life. Wow. Huge uh, Smiles for Life Foundation whitening campaign mm-hmm. participants. We love doing that. Yeah. And we love that we have um, such a, that you guys back us up so much, uh, Tops and Crown Council. Um, I know that you're there for us. And that really, really showed up during the pandemic as well with Mm. trying to help us get PPE and just to know that we were in a network of people that were all like minded about trying to get that. So um, we are, ever so grateful and the resource partners that you guys vet for us um, have really been quite uh, helpful. I mean, there's probably, I think last time when we went to the annual event, we were walking around the booths and we went, well, we use them and we use them. We use them. Family. But it is a family and it's nice to know that, um, you know, they are, honest um, people who are really trying to help us out in our practices. And that means a lot. Well, Karen, thank you for sharing your wisdom today for your great example. We know your, your team is a huge fan. Otherwise they would have not, not have nominated you as best dentist to work for behind your back. (laughs) And that, that even speaks uh, even more volumes about the fact you didn't know uh, that they had done that. And we can see based on what you've shared today, the many things you do that make it all work. So thank you for your example. And thanks for sharing today. You're so welcome. And thanks for having me on. Grateful to have you. Thank you for, I mean, we'll see you soon. Salt Lake city. You never miss an annual event. So we are so excited. (laughs) We, I think we're going to try to go early or stay later and we are going to take the team out to zion national park Ooh, nice nice that's cool. why we're not taking three individual trips this year <laughs> i like it no that's, that'll be a, a huge a huge deal it'll be fun it'll be a lot of fun thank, thank you guys for your time thanks for joining us for this mentor of the month podcast sponsored by crown council This is just one tool available to the Crown Council membership that helps dental teams build a culture of success. 
That's our mission and purpose is to provide a place for dental teams to come together and learn the skills needed to develop your most valuable asset, the people, those people who work in your practice. As always, if you're interested in being part of this group or want more information about the tools available to the membership, go to www.crowncouncil.com or call us 1-800-276-9658.